Hey y'all, are now again, the Irish in Sweden. From way up in the frozen north to the lads nipping across to Denmark for the cheap old beer there down in Malmö. Uh, lovely to have, uh, lovely to be back in your ears again. Once a week we're here, there's community news, there's interviews, there's all sorts of things going on. My name is Philip O'Connor, above here in Stockholm. And you know what, we haven't been too bad lately in terms of um, getting people from outside the capital uh, to get on the podcast. So we've had a fair old run at it all together. That might be somebody trying to text me on WhatsApp now and trying to schnack their way in there to a bit of an old interview. And uh, at the moment, it's it's actually gone very confusing, lads, because I'm trying to do as many podcasts as possible. As uh, regular listeners will know, I'm off to the World Cup in Qatar now in a few weeks. So what I've been trying to do is sort of, you know, bank all these interviews with fascinating people. And I'm meeting myself coming back, right? Because I don't want to drop something in November when I've had a conversation with somebody at the end of October. And we're talking about things that happen now that may not, you know, be of any sort of relevance then, you know. So it's been a very busy time. But I'm delighted to say that I'm pretty much coming out the other side of that now. So all the episodes or all the interviews certainly are ready to go. And I'll put them together while I'm over in Qatar. And I'll have this little intro and this little outro with you every week so that I can bring you the latest news from the community here. And it kind of feels like if you've been around in Sweden for a long time, you'll know that there's a rhythm to the year. You know, if you go to that old Crowded House song, four seasons in one day. Well, there's four seasons in one year in this country. And we're kind of into October, November here now. And anybody who works in, in the business world or in schools, for that matter, they'll be into the rhythm of things now. And we're not quite into Advent yet. You know, we're going to get Halloween out of the way now. You know, by the time you listen to this, Halloween will be creeping up on us. Still don't know the Swedes uh, understand the whole thing, but they're getting stuck in anyway with uh, you know all the orange and the black and the pumpkins and what have you and then it'll be downhill sort of into Christmas so um one of the, the lovely things that happened this week was that uh, I got a message from Kim Hurland and Kim is part of the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden who are very generous sponsors of this podcast and we try to make up episodes from their point of view whenever we can you know like if there's somebody in the business community or somebody with some uh, information from the chamber so she messaged me there about a week ago and she said that we're starting up the, the breakfast again the monthly breakfast meeting that they have right now this is a very informal thing it happens in Stockholm but there's nothing to stop chamber members in Malmö or in Gothenburg or in Luleå or in Javla from doing the same thing. And basically they have a venue here, uh, the Urban Deli on Sveavägen in Stockholm. Uh, it's very central. And they meet up at a quarter past eight and they've done a deal with the place that you can get a sort of a cheap breakfast. Now when I say cheap, it's not cheap in terms of quality, right? I think we paid 100 crowns each for the breakfast yesterday and it was lovely. Like, So there was a bunch of people there from Enterprise Ireland and there was people there from Ericsson and there was a chap there, Ross, who has his own startup going on there and I was chatting to him about maybe doing a few bits and pieces of video from that. And it was lovely. And there's people who've been here for a year or two or three or five years and Kean from Enterprise Ireland who you hear from uh, he was there and he's only a year and a half in the country and there was people like myself and indeed there's one chap who's been here since geez the late 80s maybe 1987 and it's great and it's not just business talk it's talk about all sorts of things we were talking about a rugby game that's coming up now I think uh, it'll probably be happening by the time you hear this uh, episode Sweden are playing Croatia at Stockholm Stadium and that kind of thing so it is a good place to, to, to be and it's a good thing to get involved in as is the Irish Chamber in general because they do run a lot of events they do a lot of online stuff there's a lot of content between businesses so it's uh i've noticed now since i started the global gale podcast that the networking is everything it's reaching out to people and getting in touch with them and seeing you know if they can introduce you to somebody else and that and especially if you're earlier in your career or indeed if you're early in your time here in sweden 
uh, that you can sort of build up things and it just it sort of shortens the journey if you like you know you'll find people who may be able to help you in that so I did I brought the microphones along and I sat down with Kim and then I had a chat with Kane as well so uh, let's uh, let's hear what happened over the toast and the scrambled eggs and the bacon and the lovely coffee that we had there in Stockholm uh, last Thursday morning uh, with the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden Yes. The Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. Where are we and what are we doing? That's right, Phil. Lovely to see you here. And lovely this to morning. see you too. It's been a long time since we had the chance to sit it down. It has. We, were, we met at Karolinska when I was uh, working with media and you were journalisting. Uh, that, that, was in the at the, area. that was at the start of the pandemic, wasn't That's it? That's right. And we were over in Hudding on the Hudding campus and there was a wing over there that you'd sort of completely changed around. It was supposed to be a, sort of an intensive care ward. That's or something right. Like, and it became a COVID ward. That's right. You're now sort of coming out of you know, two or three years of just wild amounts of work and communications. That's right. And here we are with uh, the Chamber gang here. We're actually in Urban Delhi on Sveavegen and uh, this is our monthly breakfast club. So it's a way for our uh, members and whoever's interested in coming along yeah. to have a networking session, chat about what's going on in the business world and basically just catching up. So there's about, let me see, 10 or 12 people around the table. So yeah. far, I've heard discussions this morning about everything from Sweden playing Croatia in rugby in Stockholm Stadium That's this right. coming Saturday to the Nordic Advisory Panel run by Enterprise Ireland to everything in between. Is that the point of this thing? It's just to get out and just talk and, and find out what we have in common. It is. Uh, I mean, our members and even we have a great, you mentioned Enterprise Ireland, we have a great uh, uh, cooperation with Enterprise Ireland. The Chamber uh, find the relationship with Enterprise Ireland really important. Uh, so we support and contribute wherever we can. Uh, but for our members, uh, the value actually of being part of the Chamber is to interact with other Irish professionals. And as you say, it can be in all different levels. It's kind of catching up on sort of more cultural things, yeah. what's going on. We were also talking about the new Martin McDonough uh, film this That's morning. That's right, yeah, yeah. The Banshees of Inishir. <laughs> One of those Inishir. <laughs> One of those, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so the cultural part also very important but of course uh, as Irish professionals uh, in Sweden and in the Nordics it's really beneficial to share knowledge share experiences is this, is this something that you kind of missed because you yourself have been in Sweden a long time I have yeah and we didn't meet for a long time which That's is right. wild that we never sort of bumped into each other is this a, sort of an attempt to address that so that we have more places we can meet up yeah well I think the chamber have a number of different networking opportunities uh, and this is one of them so we do the breakfast we do an after work uh, we do uh, lunches uh, and I also must mention the highlight of the year, which is the gala uh, event on the 3rd of December. The 3rd of December? Yes. How does one, this sounds like a cracker. How does one get involved in that? Well, all you have to do is to go into the uh, website for the Irish Chamber uh, in Sweden, uh, and you will find basically the registration. So, so I mean, come along. It's a great opportunity to meet a lot of Irish company representatives in Sweden. Mm -hmm. The Chamber will be there. Our patron, the ambassador, will be there. 
so I mean it's a great uh, occasion uh, we had the first one last year it was a great success uh, we also present the Beacon Award which is for an outstanding performance of an Irish company so the nomination process is uh, underway for that so lots of exciting things I, I can promise on that evening and is that one of those evenings of, like is it a sort of black tie thing is it you know uh, yes it is it's, it's, a, a, it's a special occasion yeah a so, proper business occasion for the Irish yeah. community here. But we like to think we have it in our blood to be able to relax and be formal at well, the same time. Well, yeah, exactly. We? When all the prizes are handed out, then we can let our hair down. <laughs> is, is there a lot of Swedish involvement in the in the Irish Chamber? And, and what I mean by that is, like, if you join the Irish Chamber, are you going to get access to Swedish business people as well? Or will they just be able to help you make those connections? Uh, yes, Definitely. Uh, I mean, we strive uh, for actually creating a network which is useful for, for Irish businesses in Sweden. And to be useful, you've got to sort of use the networks that a lot of us already have since we've been working professionally here for a, a long number of years. And, and of course, the majority of, of my network, for example, is Swedish yeah. or Nordic. Uh, so absolutely so through the the other members through the board members and so on you definitely will get access to a very broad uh, network in sweden just to remember it's something very funny i think the first time we ever met we started to speak in swedish to one another because your name is Kim that's, that's right it was a very swedish thing and blonde hair <laughs> lovely stately woman hang on a second and then somebody told me you were irish and that all went out the window that kind of thing. um in terms of, you have somebody very special here today, right? You described when you were introducing her uh, as an academic member, and it's your, your daughter. That's right, yeah. yes. Um, if young people want to get involved in this, uh, there is a system whereby they don't have to pay. It doesn't cost them thousands of crowns, right? No. Like and there's also a lot of mentoring for them goes on. Could you exactly. say a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, we're very interested in having uh, young academics <laughs> join the chamber. Uh, and for obvious re reasons, they are sort of the up-and-coming new generation of uh, professionals. Uh, we want to make it easy for uh, people who are starting off in their career or, or still studying. Uh, so membership to the chamber is free. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the mentoring program that's also been started. One of the board members, Charles Jameson, is uh, driving that particular initiative. Uh, and you can find a lot of information about that also on the website. So definitely go in there and have a look and you will, uh, wherever you are, so, so to say, yeah. on the landscape, you'll find information that would be useful to you as a potential member, academic or not. And this is also has to be said because uh, sometimes you get accused of being very Stockholm-centric, but yep. you have Rory up in Örnkundsvik. That's right. Neil Costigan up in Lurio. There's people down in Gothenburg and Malmö. There's members from basically all over Sweden. So you can yeah. get in touch with them. And you have Absolutely. To to we even have one of our board members is actually based in Dublin at the moment. So, there you go. That's so we have a... Uh, absolutely. We're infiltrating them there as well. Indeed. So the 3rd of December, where is that event on? Is it in Stockholm? It is. It is in Stockholm. Uh, it's going to be at the Marriott Courtyard Hotel. Oh, lovely Marjorie Sundstrom down there. Exactly. Marjorie is uh, uh, our con contact there, of course. Uh, so, uh, and we're getting a lot of help to put together a really great event. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to be away there, but I'm going to probably give the dictaphone to Keane and he can go do a little bit of recording. Brilliant. That for sounds now, good. Kim, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you very much, Phil. Keane, Keane, come here. Yeah. It's your podcast debut again. <laughs> All right, next up, next up in front of the microphone of doom. Yes, <laughs> I'm very nervous. <laughs>
So it's, a, it's very seldom you see such a handsome man wandering around Stockholm at this hour of the morning. Keynes from Enterprise Ireland. <laughs> what are you doing here this morning at the Irish Chamber uh, monthly breakfast meeting? Is this your first time here? Yeah, this is my first time. Um, I've been meaning to come for quite a while. Um, you see, this is the point where you say, but I'm usually in the gym at this time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely not true. But um, <laughs> usually, usually my lab, I usually curled up in bed, um, which is probably, probably why it's unusual. It might see me at this time. You know, the morning. funny thing, somebody was saying when we got here uh, that you know, the breakfast was at quarter past eight. I was saying, well, you know, lads on Swedish buildings, so I eat their lunch at half nine. We're already having our breakfast here. You know? But when you moved over, Kim, you were working at Enterprise. Ireland. Do you have a specific sort of industry or a specific area that you look after there? No, I'm actually in a, a bit of an unusual role for Enterprise Ireland. So you're there, James Bond, I've heard. Um, yeah, something like that. That's why. License to thrill. That's how I've self-branded myself, anyway. Um, but no, I'm in, I'm in an internal digital transformation role. Uh, so my work is actually with Enterprise Ireland's 40 office international office network. Yep. So I'm working with colleagues from. Every corner of the world, from uh, Johannesburg to Shanghai to San Francisco, Seattle, etc. So every single office, I'm working with um, I'm working with colleagues and uh, I guess working on the implementation of a, an internal digital transformation project, an internal. Uh, CRM, it's called a customer, customer relationship management. Yeah, customer yeah. relationship management system. Um, Do you sort of try to absorb what happens here in Sweden and what you learn from people in this chamber, and then sort of feed back into that process? Is that the reason they station you here to do that? Yeah. So, a couple of reasons they station me here. First of all, Hannes leading out on the project at a, at a managerial level, yeah. so it makes sense for me to come here and work on a leader. Also. They wanted someone embedded in an in international office to see how that international office operates, um, what the day to day looks like, what the challenges are, um, and really get a sense of yeah how, how this international office operates. And then I can feed that into my work. Um, then I can feed that into my work with the rest of the offices. Now I have an understanding of how the overseas teams work. But Antwerp's Ireland, any organisation with, with such an international presence, um, there's obviously often a disconnect between HQ and how the overseas teams operate. And that's just because you're not there day to day. So I think it was crucial for me in my role where I'm working on um, helping integrate these new technology platforms. And it's a lot of it is around cultural change and process change that I'm actually in the mix. And I understand what the culture is, I understand what the processes are. Um, and also, it's actually a central time zone. So, um, for me to chat with colleagues all over the world, I need to be in the time zone that makes sense as well. Yeah, yeah. So, it was either Stockholm or London, probably for, yeah. for my role. But um, I kind of actually had a choice when I first took the role, could I go to London or Stockholm? But um, Stockholm sounded a bit more exciting to me. Yeah, you go. Well, we're delighted to have you here, not least for your left foot in the Stockholm Garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you come to things like this, because you're obviously a hell of a lot younger than me, you're at the start of your career now, right? So. It's organizations like the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden, is that an important thing for you to have that sort of, it's not exactly, you know, they're not going to babysit you, but is it important for you to have that kind of help and experience people around you as you get started in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so important to have mentors or even people to just see see what they've done, see if they have made success in their careers. I think that's I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, if you can't see it, you can't achieve it. So I I can see Irish people have come to Sweden, come to this you know completely different country, learn the local language, succeed in, in Swedish business. And I think for someone that's someone that started a career, maybe you know as possibly someone might stay in Sweden. I don't know what's next step for my career. 
um, yeah, it's 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 incredibly important to, to, to come here and even just yeah learn from them and pick up their their lessons from all their years' experience. So, well, yeah, well, luckily people like well. me have made so many mistakes that you've learned from. So we have to do it yourself. Yeah. When, you, when you look around, when did you move to Sweden? A year and a half ago now. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what surprised you most about being here? What was the one thing that has happened here? You oh, didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, great question. I, I like uh, it, it's funny when I moved here. I, I had no dream or expectations of living in, in Sweden, so I had no. Was my master thinks it's Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's why everyone at home thinks. So I had Switzerland. Great. Um, so I, I had no preconceived notions. So I don't know if anything surprised me. So I just really didn't know the place. Um, so I kind of came here with, with an open mind. Um, I, 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 I guess really on a practical level, it's surprised how how brilliant are in English day to day it's just you, you go to a shop and the shopkeeper speaks back to you in perfect English it yeah. makes me feel uh, guilty about all the second language <laughs> um, um, and it's also difficult for, for actually learn speech when it's there day to day yeah. I think that's one practical thing that um, that really surprised me on a, on a, on a, on a good note then as well, the, the summers, the weather, how pleasant the how yeah. pleasant the, uh, the place is six months of the year, and then how dark it is six months of the year. That's, how are you dealing with that? I still find it miserable. Like this will be my twenty fourth winter in Sweden. Geez, I tell you, I tell you, get used to it. No, no, no. no that's why I'm starting off to Qatar for the World Cup. I've had enough of it. Yeah. You know? But did you find that difficult in the first year, like you know, in the darkness of the winter? Yeah, at the start, it's kind of cool. It's um, it's unusual. Oh, uh, look, snow. Yeah, snow, exactly. Yeah, it's like Ireland's just kind of, you know, just rains all the time. It's about 10 degrees. Liquid snow, I believe it's called. Yeah. <laughs> so when you come here and it's a different season, it's dark, it's snowy, there's definitely an element of excitement about it. It was kind of cool. But then when it got to about March, right, but I was like, okay, that's that's enough of this. Can we all have a game of football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's have a game of football. Let's get the Stockholm Gales up and running again. How did you get through it? Did you like? Did you find yourself sort of, you know, closing yourself in your apartment, or did you try to sort of get out and meet people and do something? Yeah, I, I, I probably made a mistake last year where I was probably almost too active. Um, I was going out too much. Yeah, yeah, wore myself out. I was, I was pretty sick actually from November to December, and I think it was just I was keeping up that summer lifestyle. I was, you know playing sport going to the gym and then you know to be honest going out on the weekend going out with the lads and that kind of going out with the lads a bit too much so I think this this winter I'm going to take it a bit easier to be honest I think that's my lesson from last year <laughs> um, we've made all these mistakes before yeah, yeah, yeah. and despite the fact that I'm here and listening to the mistakes it seems like I'm repeating them as well so maybe that's it <laughs> well you know there's some things I often say like there's a friend of mine I had kids before he had kids I was trying to explain to him and you're kind of looking you see it doesn't go in you know yeah, and then yeah, what yeah. happens to him go okay you no, obviously to experience it yeah, yeah so sometimes it's good to know in advance when yeah. you have to go make your mistakes yourself one last question my friend do you look around you're in Ireland House you have the embassy there you have Board Beer there you have uh, Enterprise Island there you're just like is Ireland in a positive place in Sweden right now would you say absolutely yeah, I think um, I, I think the general feeling of Swedes and Sweden towards Ireland is extremely positive. Um, I think there's a great team here in Ireland House, Austin and the MC guys are a really positive, a really positive agenda. Um, similar board beer and the, the Nordics team, Stockholm and Copenhagen, is going from strength to strength. Obviously, my, my boss Hannah Fraser, who is a playmate, say this is she's done a fantastic job last two three years. We've got the incredible team. Um, we have 
we have not just uh, Irish expats working for us, we have locals, Swedish people who are based in Sweden and Copenhagen, who bring that local knowledge. Um, and I think I think the Nordics is definitely becoming, for Irish companies, obviously of course Ireland's our focus is, is Irish business, um, I think Norwich has really been put on the map in the last couple of years, um, particularly post-Brexit. You know, Irish companies are looking for uh, another new market that they can export to. And Swedish companies are looking for a country that's easy to do business with as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I know my colleague Daryl Carroll was um, at the Plowin recently, and he brought out over a strong delegation of Nordic buyers, many people a lot from Sweden, and they had an incredibly positive experience um, over there. So I think, yeah, I, I think there's definitely, with the help of our house and informal networks like this and guys like yourself, Phil, pushing out podcasts. Um, <laughs> Listen to it, you bastard! Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely, I think there's definitely a growing link between, between the Nordics, between Sweden, between Ireland, and, and that even fits into the government strategy around, um, around Nordic strategy. And again, that came, that was born out of Brexit. Um, Ireland's looking for, you know, countries that are, I think similar to us in, in the EU in particular, mm. and we've kind of and we're targeting this Nordic block as as the countries that we'd like to align ourselves with going forward. So, you know, I think it's I think it's just going to go from strength to strength in the coming years. Fantastic! You're targeting that Nordic block. Except the stage where I'm targeting lunch. Ian, thanks very much for speaking. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> what time are you hoping to be up at? Oh well, I said for the dinner on five twelve. So we're having soup, then we're having raw spuds, bile spuds, ancient spuds, old spuds, no spuds, mashed spuds. We're having roast beef, Jillian ice cream, sweet cake. No tea, no wash up, straight out the door. <laughs> I'd say we'll be at the match at about five to. Lovely. <laughs> Yourselves? How do we said we'd have a clear run of the day, so we'd have dinner this morning at half eight. <laughs> We know the lads from the Unbelievables, uh, John Kenny and Pat Short, they are having the dinner at half eight in the morning. So it's not the dinner you'd be getting now for the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden for a hundred grounds, but it is the breakfast and it's very well worth getting involved there. Uh, as Kim mentioned there, they do have their, their gala dinner coming up and that kind of thing. So go to irishchamber.se and find out all the details of that. And she also mentioned there that uh, the Stockholm Film Festival is coming up. So if you're in the capital city now in the near future, she mentioned uh, the film Banshees of Inishirin and it's on the 13th of November the 13th of November it's a Sunday and it's on at six o'clock and there's a red carpet now lads I've no idea what that means I don't know if you know Brendan Gleeson or Colin Farrell are coming don't know if the directors could don't know what they're doing I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of hoopla there if there is I might try to get there myself and do a little bit of um get a little bit of an interview or something else going on there should Jay-Z never know what might happen but uh, if nothing else should I might see you there now, another couple of dates for the diary. I have to admit that I don't have everything in front of me here, but I do know that the 26th of November is going to be a very big day for the Swedish Irish Society. That's when they're planning to have their kids' Christmas party and then the Christmas dinner for the adults is that evening. Again, it's down there with Marjorie Sundström down in the Marriott at Friedhelm's Plan. Uh, and if you happen to be outside, I do know that a few years ago, uh, people did make an effort to come up to Stockholm for that. And if you're doing anything where you are, right, it would be great to hear from anybody down in Gothenburg or if you're going to have a Christmas 
breakfast dinner down in Fagan's pub in Malmo or whatever uh, it would be great if you get in touch and let me know because one of the conversations the side conversations if you like that we had uh, at the, the uh, chamber breakfast there was this thing that we're still sort of struggling to make sure that everybody knows about everything right now I'm hoping that in time this podcast can be the place where people come to find out about these things and we'll have them in the show notes and we'll do all that but for now we're still struggling between various different Facebook pages and this person knows that and they usually post about this and it might be in this group or on that pub's website or whatever so for now if you have any of that kind of information get it to me and I'll get it out there as as much as I can and uh, let people know what they're going on Right, remember that this podcast is supported by the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden, and very generously show, uh, so. It's also supported by the wonderful Martin Hessian down at Veerstrums. I believe that there's a whole bu- new bunch of IPAs down there, and new bunches of craft beers down there. And of course, we're into that time of the year, we're into that season, where there's football on, the rugby internationals are starting, the autumn series is going to be on soon enough. So get in the phone there, drop Martin a line, book your table for all those sporting events, and you'll enjoy it. And if you want to support this podcast personally, uh, and I do suggest you do, because I'm trying to do more of these things both for the Swedish Irish community and for the global Irish community patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm we're going to be up to about somewhere between 8 and 12 podcasts a month now in the coming months right so that's like 50 cents or like a peanuts lads uh, for the amount of podcasts per, per podcast that you're going to be getting over the next little while and you know what try to share them as well right this one the Irish and Sweden this is for our community you don't share that like you know with your folks back home that's fine but the Global Gale podcast would be great if you could share that throw it on your Instagram story tag me there I'll share it again because that kind of thing is going to help us uh, reach in both the global and the Swedish Irish community to ensure that everybody knows about it as we go along um, now another it was on the, the radio in Cork there recently and I was talking to PJ Cougar there on 96FM in Cork, and he's a lovely man altogether, and he often gets me on to talk about uh, about various different things that are happening in Sweden and that. And uh, and he happened to mention to me that there was uh, a woman from Cork, or with her roots in Cork, who was standing for election here. And I thought, jeez, holy smokes. Like, how is it that I don't know this person, and how has she not come across our radar before? So I said, right, we'll do a little bit of old-fashioned gumshoeing and get onto Facebook and get onto Google there and see if uh, if we could find her. And sometimes you get tips like that, you go, it turns out to be, you know, sort of somebody completely different or they're not involved at all. So not only is Claudia Crowley Sørensson a woman in Alvesta in Sweden involved in politics, she's the head of the moderate party in her local region. Now, they didn't come out on the winning side of the election, as you'll hear. She explains how the whole thing went. But she's gone from being somebody who sort of took a stand about, you know, how kids were conducting themselves in classrooms into quite the political heavyweight in the local political scene. So I booked an old interview with her. She's a very busy woman. This transition from working in mental health services into politics is something that's keeping her very busy. She's learned the ropes as she goes along. But I decided uh, I'd have a chat with her, and we got it together yesterday evening. So here it is in all its glory. How Claudia got involved in local politics in Sweden and what she might just be doing uh, in next in her political career. Claudia, I suppose the logical place to start is how you came to Alvesta at all. A small little town in Sweden. It would be the biggest town in the world, wouldn't it? No, we're 20,000 who live in uh, Alvesta. So um, my mom went to Greece on holiday with her best friend, Eleanor. And uh, yeah, she found the love of her life, Swedish man named Seth. 
and uh, they went back and forth for a couple of years and then finally we when I was four we moved to Sweden mm. so, and he's an Alvista boy so that's how we ended up in this, in this little town. But I'll tell you you certainly haven't lost the accent in the, in the intervening years have you? No, you can take the girl out of Ireland, but never take the Irish out of the girl. <laughs> was your man from Cork? Was that was that where she was from? Yeah, Nachnihini, born and raised. It's amazing. I love it. There's a lad in uh, in Ottawa, a fella called Kevin Walker, and he has um, a very similar thing. His father's from Carlo, and of course, Kevin would have spent his summers there in that country. But his accent is absolutely perfect, as is yours, and it's wonderful to have you on. And um, how did you decide to get involved in politics in Alvester? Where does that interest come from? Well, it's a funny story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went with my child when she was in the fourth grade over here. Uh, I went with her uh, to school one day and I was absolutely mortified by the way the children were acting um, up towards the teachers and there was no respect whatsoever against towards the adults in the school. So. When I came home, I wrote a post on Facebook and it absolutely blew up because I was a parent who wasn't complaining about that there was uh, not enough adults in the school and not enough resources. But I was kind of saying, where's the parents' responsibility for the children's um, raising, really? The responsibility for raising our children is, is the parents, first and foremost. Uh, and the tools is to teach them how to write and count and do all of that. But like the rearing is up to the parents. So that flew up and it went really, really big. And uh, I started, I was, a lot of people have said to me before as well, like, you should start a blog. Because I'm always speaking my mind. I'm not mm. afraid of speaking out of the box. And that's like in Ireland, I think a lot of people speak their voice but in Sweden you're you're supposed to keep in the frame hmm. so uh, I started with the blog and that became quite big over here and I didn't know at the time that what I was writing about was actually political views uh, how I thought that society should work and where you should put the money the taxpayers money and all of that and I was working in the mental health system, so I was blogging a lot about mental health and drug abuse. And my best friend's little sister, uh, who I was very close to, um, I went. To, I joined the party before, but I wasn't active in the party. I just went to a couple of meetings now and then. But then, so, so she, this is just to interrupt you, so that people know, right? You joined the moderate party there, which is sort of you know centre right party. They're all over Sweden. Yeah. They've been around for probably a hundred years at this stage. Yeah. Uh, I joined the party, and I just went to like a meeting here and there. I wasn't really big into it, and I was just trying to lift up the mental health uh, a little bit for the politicians to lift that and talk about how we're going to deal with that. And then my best friend's little sister, she passed away due to an overdose. And working in the system, I saw all the flaws in the system. And I just was thinking, I want to do more. I can only do so much in my work. Um, so I took a more active um, part in the party. 
chose to stop with the blogging because I obviously didn't have time to do both. Uh, I have a family at home as well. And that was years ago. Uh, so the first election that I had was the last election. Uh, and I was the second name for my party in Alvista. And then when we went into this election, I was the head of the party. I am the head of the party. So you're the head of the local moderate party there in Alvesta at the moment, yeah? Yes, I am. Did you ever intend for this to happen? When you started writing about kids not behaving themselves in school, did you ever see yourself as, you know, becoming a sort of a huge political figure in the local area? Uh, no, Jesus, no. I, no, <laughs> I had no interest in politics. I thought that all politicians were just, they didn't know the reality and I like I just had enough when I was thinking if I'm complaining, it's so easy to complain, to sit behind a computer and write whatever's on my mind. But if I'm expecting someone else to do something and make a change, why am I putting that responsibility on someone else? Like I just had enough. And I think it was when my best friend's little sister died, I was like, no, I can't sit around waiting for someone else to do something. So I just have to do something. But not even then did I think that I would be the head of the party four years later going into election. Hmm. Uh, there was no way. What was that process like? Because you're coming in there, somebody who's relatively new to politics. A lot of people in politics, their family has, their mother, their father has been there before them. But you were coming in with a sort of a completely clean slate, a fresh set of eyes. Did you find it easy? Did you find it stressful? Did you find it scary? I found it, it wasn't easy. Uh, I When I put my mind to something, I I go all in. Like, I put in lots of hours just reading up. Like, I didn't know. Like, the, the politics has its, own, has its own language. Like, going into a meeting, I like, people were telling me, oh, you have to, after you vote, you have to reserve. And I was like, why am I making a res- reservation? Like, they all know that I'm against it. They were like, that's just something we do. So that means that we don't we don't want to be responsible for the decision because we didn't want to make it. And I was like, all right. So I had to learn a completely new language. Um, I never really understood the wish of the financial. Like, it's not just I, I think that there should be five more teachers in the local school. Like somewhere someone has to find the money for it as well. And there's only so much tax money coming in. So I put I put in a lot of my my own time, but I did it because I really wanted to make a change. And then when you get deep into politics, as I am now, you see the backside of politics as well. It's a dirty, dirty, dirty game. Like this is a lot of politicians should not be in politics, but it's the people that vote for their politicians. But if you're in it for your own gain. I think that you're in the totally wrong place. You have to be in it because you really want to make a difference, no matter what party you're part of. Mm. Um, you, you can tell that quite quickly, who's in it for their own gain and who's in it because they actually want to make a difference and make the society a better place for everyone. Mm. There are quite a few career politicians. I've come across a good few of them in my time and they'll say whatever it takes just to get back in. You know, they like if there's a principle that's not proven popular with the voters, they'll just drop it and they'll say whatever and then they get voted back in and they get their few good few thousands every month and they do their thing. But you don't strike me as the kind of person who's going to do that. No, like if I if I can't 
if I can't take the stand I want to take, like I can go back to my job tomorrow. Like I love my job. If it was my job that got me into politics, really, and the day when if the day comes where I feel that this is just gone too far now, I can't. It's all a game. Uh, I'll go back to my job and uh, help people that way. Uh, but as as long as I can still feel that I'm making a positive difference, I'll keep fighting. But it's uh, it's tough, and especially in election year. Mm. I mean, people I've had respect for from other parties. I'm very good at like I have friends from all different parties, so mm. I'm very good at separating the person from the politics. Mm. Uh, so people from other parties that I have had the highest of respect for after an election year, no respect whatsoever because it's so dirty. And what would that be like now, Claudia? Would that be them saying things about you or about your politics? What would it be that turns you off those people? It would be, yeah, sometimes it's saying things about me, but I, I don't think that that wouldn't put me off at all at all. Like if you, I know who I am. I know why I want it and why I'm in politics. So that doesn't really, that really doesn't affect me. It's when I really realise if people act, if they say that democracy is um, it's so important and we all have to stand up for the democracy and the, like the power should come from the people mm. and then the people vote and you play a game with the results just to get the result you want. That's when I feel that it's gone too far. And that's the backside of democracy that we can always we can always play around with the with the results of the election. Well it's one of those things that you often hear, especially in places like Sweden where you don't get majority governments. You have to kind of sit down and work it out, you know, and they say, Oh, you know, the people have spoken. Now we just have to work out what they've said, you know. And that's been the case not just in Alvesta, but in Stockholm and in, in various other places as well. And um, when the votes were counted where you are there, uh, as far as I know, you've gone into opposition there now in Alvesta. Is that correct? Well, it's hopefully I'll be the leader of the opposition. Uh, that decision won't be made until December. Uh, but yeah, if, if I thought I was going to be the head of the city council, but then uh, the Christ Democrats uh, that went into the election with us, they they just banded us and they, they just did, they did the opposite to what they promised their voters. And, and yet, your 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 party, the moderates and the Christian Democrats, on a national level, they're together in Sweden's new government, right? Yeah. How does it? Ha do, is there no sort of word coming down from the top? It's like Claudia, these are our friends here. You need to do a deal with them, or is it left up to you locally to sort that out? It's up. To, it's left up to us locally, but like, it's about stand taking a stand as well because I would not. I just for the power of it, I would not go with a certain party. And especially if I've gone into the election saying to the voters that a vote for me is a vote for change, that means that like we want to change who's in charge. Uh, and that's what we did, what the Christ Democrats did, and they just um, they, they they flipped as soon as it was all over. They and I don't know why they flipped, but I know how politics works and uh, yeah, they probably got something.
ah, that's always the way, you know, you get a little bit of a job here and an extra expense there. And all of a sudden there's four years of things changing, you know, um, yeah, are you dis- the taxpayers money. I put them into the society. So. <laughs> are you disappointed with that though? Because you were hoping to go in there. You sound like a person who got involved in politics for the right reason. You wanted to go in there. You wanted to change. You mentioned your friend's little sister, they're passing away. You had ambitions to do things for people. And now you kind of have to sit there and watch the other team go in and implement the things that you, you don't agree with. Is that a difficult thing to do when you go to the first or the second meeting of the city council to sit there and, and try to sort of, you know, hold your own at the same time as you'd much rather be given the chance to run things yourself? Ah, I'll just go on and now on their ass for four years. That's my job now for four years. I'm made for that job. And then I'll win the next election. That's what it's all about, like, my job now for the next four years, if I am the leader of the opposition, is to all be like, and that's the hard part as well, to be able to reach out to the voters and tell them I would have done this instead. Mm. Uh, if they want to be uh, a new swimming hall or a new ice hockey rink, and I'm, I'm not against a new ice hockey rink because we actually need that, but if they want to build a new sports hall, that's the big thing over here now new sports hall like that's going to be lovely when it's there and everyone's going to be oh but this turned out fantastic yeah but with my politics you would have got into smaller sport sport halls but like they would have been with like people it wouldn't be everything in one place that's yeah, what my yeah. problem with my little town all the money is going into one same place hmm. um so it, that's hard but that's my job now for the next four years just to tell people that this is what we would have done instead. Mm. And we wouldn't have spent so much money. Like my party is very focused on finances, but that's because if we don't have the finances, we don't have schools, we don't have food for our elderly, we don't have nurses that go out to our elderly. Mm. And you can't buy a sports rink if you can't actually do that. Because that's our job is to make sure that the elderly have the help they need. The children have the teachers they need. That's all. That all has to be done first and foremost before we do. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a question of priorities. You know, you have a certain amount of tax that comes into a place like Alveston, then you have to choose, and they're very hard choices because you know you'd love to give young people two sports halls that they can play in and that. But again, that comes at a cost of something else. And um, when you look at the election campaign, right, we always hear about how hard politicians work. What kind of things did you have to do? Did you go out knocking on doors and putting up posters and taking part in debates? Did you do some of that? Did you do all of that? I did all of that. Since it was my first time being the head of the party. I was um, a new face in politics for a lot of people. And that was something my opponent used that, Claudia is so new. Like, a lot of people in politics are older than me and have been in politics for years and years and years. And if you ask me, that's what's wrong with politics. That's the problem, yeah. But, so that was used against me that she's young, quite young, and uh, she doesn't have the experience. Like, she's not been in politics for more than six or seven years. Um, And so I did all of that. Every time my party knocked on the door, I was there. Every time we had a debate, I was there. Uh, I posters, my face was on over the place. My car was, my face was up. My my husband was mortified driving around. He did it. He didn't want to drive our family. 
<laughs> it was all advertising for you. Uh, yeah, we we got a place in the city centre. Uh, that's been an old shop, and we rented that for the summer, uh, and we were there. So my thing was that I wanted people to be able to ask me questions, to be able to come in and tell me what they wanted. So I stood down there every Friday and Saturday from March until the election. Jesus. I mean, it is a lot of work. How were those discussions, Claudia? Because we're living in very polarized times, right? People think they know what they think. You're a, a relatively young woman coming into politics. You're new. There's an awful lot of issues that are very divisive at the moment. Did you get a lot of abuse off people? Did you get a lot of negativity? Or did you get a lot of people saying, Jesus, it's great that you're here doing this? Yeah, I got a lot of positive reactions. Um, because like people. People want someone that speaks their mind. And even if they don't agree with me, they respect me for always answering honest and not trying to give them a typical political answer. Mm. Uh, I answer my answer and then it's up to them if they like it or not. And if they don't like it, we'll have a discussion around it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I got I'm the most voted person in Alvesta. OK. So you got the most little exes by, by your name I and all got, stuff. I got the most personal votes, but my party got the second most votes. Yeah. That was a win. When everyone was saying that, nah, God is new, whatever. And then I was like, well, who got the most support from the voters? Yeah, there you go. It made no difference to the voters. Come here to me. Do you know who voted for you? Do you know if it was women your own age, if it was, you know, people from different backgrounds? Do you know any? Do you, do you get any of that? I know my mom voted for me. <laughs> Half a cork voted for you. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we don't, we don't see uh, that locally. Uh, I know which areas. Hmm. Uh, voted for me and how many voted for me in the areas uh, of course the area where I grew up in Alvesta I had a lot of votes but I also had a lot of votes in, in the countryside and that kind of surprised me mm. um, so we, I can see the areas but I can't see if it was women or men or what age mm. What's your ambition now? Because you became something of, when I was just looking and reading a little bit about your background in politics and seeing, you know, how you performed in the local newspapers and local radio, is it to do what you can in Alvesta and then to take yourself to the national stage? Are you happy with the city council or, or where do you want this to end up? I want to run the city council. Like, I, went, I, 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 don't, have any, I don't have any dreams of going nationally. That's not really my ambition. I want to... I went into politics because I wanted to make a change here in Alvesta. Mm. And that's still what I want to do. Um, that, that's where I, like, what I can see the effect of my work there. That's mm. when I'm, I have to. When I see that people with mental health don't. When I went into politics, people had to pay for um, their home aid and mental health mm -hmm. where I was working. So now, four years later, they don't. It's free. It, it actually costs the city council more money than it brought in to actually make them pay yeah. uh, because they couldn't pay. And all the, like someone had to sit with them papers and look at all the final. It was a mm. cost. So um, I'm delighted with that. Like I don't have the 
big, big dreams. I would just want to make sure that taxpayers' money goes to the schools, to the elderly, that we actually see what what we need and then we can do what we want. Mm. And I love making a change here. Mm. And if I do a brilliant job, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go nationally. But right now, my ambition is just to take over in four years. Time. If your man who's running the place now is lucky and can keep his can keep his votes for the next four years, you never know. That's the thing. You never know what can happen in the council chamber, you know. There's been a few stories about, because a lot of council shifted now. There was one out in Nortelia here, just north of Stockholm, where the lads went in and they voted a big pay rise for themselves and eventually they had to sort of roll back in it in the city council. It, do you get a lot of people who are in it because it's lucrative? Like, I mean, is there, because I know back in Dublin and in Cork and that kind of thing, being a councillor is no big deal. You don't get a whole lot of money for it. But can you actually get a sort of a full-time wage out of that, a decent wage out of it for the next four years? Definitely. Um, it, like, it's up to every city council, but in Alvesta, or no, uh, it's a hundred percent. Like your man who's in charge here now, he has a hundred percent of uh, a person who works in the government. Okay. So that he gets the same uh, wage as them, then, yeah. Yeah, that's seventy-two thousand five hundred before taxes. Every month, that's grand, isn't it? Yeah. So I, if I'm the head of the opposition, well, the person who has been the head of the opposition, because I actually won't get that until the 1st of January, if I get hmm. he's had 80% okay. of 72,500. So a fair chunk of change. We, we see what I get, because now they, they have a majority in city council. They didn't have that before. So that means that they can do what they want. Yeah. That, that seems to be the way. With everyone's wages and with their own wages. So, mm. yeah, I definitely keep an eye on your local city council meetings and their, because we actually take the last city council meeting of the year, of the election year, mm. we put the wages, we take that, we make that decision because the new city council isn't supposed to, to make a decision about their own wages. Yeah. But what happens is that after the election is no one can stop you. Mm. But yeah, I'd, I'd keep an eye on all, all of your local cities, what are the politicians doing with their wages? I'd definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, it's one of those great sort of barometers of, you know, are they taking this seriously or are they only in it for themselves, you know? And was the part of the negotiations, was the money part of the negotiations or was politics part of the negotiations? Mm. That's uh, you know, deal. I negotiated around and that was politics. Uh, but I'll see now what happens in December. Uh, and if I can, because right now I am only a politician. I don't, I don't have another job. Uh, on the side, I have um, 25% here in my city council, uh, and then I have 20% in uh, the region. Mm. Uh, so that together, I can, I can get by on that. So um, we'll see what happens now after. It's an interesting time. Let us zoom out just a little bit, right? Because is the, I wanted to ask you about growing up in Alvesta as a girl with an Irish mother and a Swedish father. Was there many Irish people around you or was it just your mom there? 
No, it was my mum. Uh, she had an Irish friend in Beckford. Beckford was about 10 minute ride away yeah. uh, when we were small. And then I think they lost contact a bit. Um, well, growing up with a Swedish, with an Irish mum, you never talk religion or politics. <laughs> Uh, and then we always went back to Ireland. We're very close to my uncle. Uh, so we've always gone back to Ireland, like every school holiday, hmm. full summer holiday when I was small. And yeah, and I, I've kept that up with my kids. Like we don't go back every every school holiday, but we go back at least once or twice a year hmm. for family weddings and stuff. But I think the difference between going up with an Irish mum and a Swedish mum is that an Irish mum has a wooden spoon and a slipper. And she doesn't actually hit you with a wooden spoon or the slipper, but she threatens you plenty with it. It's enough to wave it in front of you and you know what's coming. Oh, yeah. don't, you? don't you make me take up the wooden spoon. And you know, you can't, like, if you do that in front of Swedish people, they, they will actually, they don't know where to go. Oh, they'll be calling social Shenstein and all sorts of people. Oh, oh yeah. And like one of my political like I'm in social services as a politician yeah. so when I say that to my kids don't you make me take out the wooden spoon and they're like are you going to phone yourself <laughs> you're like, oh, like I'm not actually going to hit you you're just supposed to do what I'm saying like, it's a manner of speaking here yeah. it's, it's not it's just manner of speaking so I think that's the difference and that we actually um yeah, like I've like, I've seen my mum dance on tables, and I've danced on tables. Like that's you wouldn't catch a Swedish mother dancing on a table in front of her children. I think you catch plenty of Irish women doing it because yeah. it's, it's it's not that we have to be langers. It's just that we're having a great time. We're living life, and I think we need a little more of that in Sweden. Just let those live life and be happy. That's it. A, little, a few less in inhibitions, not just in the council chamber, but in life in general. Claudia, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out now, but I want to wish you every success with your politics over the next uh, four years. And I hope that you give the people of Alvesta what they need anyway. And sure, if you're, if you're any ambitions, nasty or anything like that, get back onto the Irish and Sweden podcast and we'd be glad to have you back on again in the near future. But for now, I know your family is waiting. You're only just in from working all day. So I'll say thanks very much and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks very much. Oh, that was Claudia Crowley or Crowley Sorensen there down below in Alvesta. And like I said, I've been saying about that Global Gale podcast, lads, which you'll find on the same feed as this one, that there's no such thing as a, an ordinary Irish person abroad. It's just mad altogether, the stories that you find. And for a woman to sort of, you know, to slide into politics in that way. And now, you know, most of you, most of the people that will be listening to this would understand that, you know, myself and Claudia might be on the different sides of political spectrum, right? She's, the moderate party is a centre-right party, a right-wing party here who just got into government. My politics would be probably on the other end of the scale. But to see somebody coming in there for the best possible reasons, right? Because as Claudia was saying there, there's so many people who are in this to make a career of it. They're not in it to make a difference. They're in it for what they can get out of it. And I think I've told a story before where a political party 
uh, who wanted me to to run in Ireland and you know like I started getting these mails off people and phone calls off people and it wasn't because you know they thought that you know oh your vision for you know whatever for Europe is great and that kind of thing they wanted jobs and they wanted they were telling me oh this is the budget that you have and you can rent an office and you can employ these people and that, that this person and that person and that kind of thing and that was the only thing they were thinking I don't think they gave a shit about anything you know the good that they could do in the whole thing but sure so it's always good to see people getting involved there and the, other, the truth of the matter is that democracy needs both sides you need people out there you know and I mean you need people out there to, to debate and to talk and to keep each other accountable and that kind of thing and whether it's in opposition or whether it's in power it's worth paying attention but like she says there pay attention to where the money goes and what they're doing with the money because that's ultimately what it all comes down to we're all paying into this system and it's a good idea if we have an idea of what is happening there now I don't think I'm too far away now I know I booked a trip up to see uh, Neil Costigan and a few other people in Lulio in the very near future. But the last thing I want to leave you with is the news that you're in luck, lads, right? If you haven't been on patreon.com forward slash airman on Stockholm and committed a few, Bob, right? This might get you over the line if you're a Shamrock Rover supporter because they are coming to uh, Stockholm next week to play against Hugh Gordon in their final European game and indeed their final game of the season. So uh, I hope to see plenty at that game. But I'm going to talk to Zach Elbuzadi uh, before that game. Uh, Zach, as you know, plays football here for AIK um, had a not a not a tough season he's been on the bench a little bit and that now the club haven't been having a great time with either you know but he's been coming off the bench and doing very well scored an absolute cracker at my goal there uh, recently I think it was against Helsingborg and it was the one game I ended up having to work with another game that day and I missed that game I was like ah oh, jeez you know not being there to see that you know but he's going to come into the studio and we'll go a little bit over the football aspect of it right we'll talk about Shamrock Rovers and you Gordon and playing against that so a little, a little bit of tactics and where maybe Shamrock Rovers fans can go and we'll just present that to them as a little bonus for them and indeed for you but for now we'll call a halt to this episode because I need about an hour now to go through all the sound files I've built up over the last little while and I'll only be adding exponentially to them now when I go up to see Neil and the lads above in Lulio and if you are up there in Lulio and you have a chance to talk uh, get in touch with me and I'll tell you what times I'll be around at and where I'm going to be and that and uh, we can get together and have a bit of a chat and sure you never know you might be the next person appearing on the Irish in Sweden podcast but for now look after yourselves look after one another and we'll be back again very soon with Zach Elbazadi and then again next week with a new episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast. Good luck. Mm-hmm.